traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. It's Christmas time. Jingle bells. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All that good stuff. Um, what I like about Christmas time at the in the equine industry is usually everybody goes all out. All the different uh, riding facilities, the racetracks, uh, the farms, and everything. We got one um, farm out here. It's called Amp Stables, and um, she's got well, I think she's got twelve horses over there, ten or twelve horses. Every one of them have a Christmas wreath above their stall door, and they have a Christmas stocking outside their stall door. And uh, the kids are all excited, you know, and they're having a little Christmas party, and they're going to do uh, crayons and paintings uh, of their horses. And, you know, it's really exciting this time of year. Everybody's usually happy, and, and, um, you know, things are going along pretty good, you know, so that's exciting. And and that's what we hope that's happening to all of our horse uh, friends out there that they um, have a good happy safe holiday you know and remember make memories make memories uh this christmas and then that way the memories turn into tradition and that's one thing that i'm really big on in the horse business is tradition and uh you know we'd like to see uh, all of our uh, uh horse people out there uh, think about that you know say a, a good merry christmas to somebody or a how do or you know, whatever, uh, you know, you, you feel appropriate to address them with here at the holiday seasons. And, uh, you know, just uh, make it interesting. And, you know, who knows, you might make some friends out there, you know, but it, it makes you feel good inside if you try to do good and, and you know, put together, the, you know, a good foot somewhere. So on today's program, uh, coming into the studio, I dropped my, I dropped my binder and I, Everything's all out of order, but we're just going to take them as they go, just like we do every day here in the horse business. Deal with what you got and everything. Um, Colonial Downs, uh, it's a, it's a great place to, uh, to go visit. Um, it's in, uh, Virginia, close to Richmond. Uh, Colonial Downs is going to race, uh, 27 days in 2024 from July 11th to September 7th. And I tell you what, uh, it's a beautiful track there. Uh, that they have, uh, you know, it's just amazing. They have a little tradition that they do there every year. They get one of the best turf courses in the country. And, um, early in the, in the spring, they go out and they actually, uh, set the track and, and the turf course on fire and it, it rejuvenates the ground. Uh, it is really good for it. And I mean, it's got one of the best racing services in the country. And a lot of the big trainers are starting to get there because the purse, purse money is getting a little better, you know, there with them. So uh, that's Colonial Downs. It's very close there to Richmond, Virginia. Um, they're going to uh, they're going to average they're going to average uh, in their you know in, in their season. Uh, they're going to offer more than six hundred fifty thousand dollars per day in purses, um, and, and that, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money when you're talking about 10 race cards. Uh, they're going to cover every kind of, uh, um, race that you can imagine from claiming to stake races to handicaps, you name it. They're going to claim, they're going to do it. And, and that's the thing that, that a lot of the tracks are starting to do now. They're starting to realize the economic impact that they have on their state and their area. You could be in a tri-state area and, you know, you affect three different states, uh, or you could be like at Richmond and, you know, just, you know, pretty much Richmond, you know, uh, traffic is there. But, um, you know, they really have an ec- economic impact on, you know, the area that they're in. And so now when they start offering more money, they get the better horses, they get the better trainers. And, and you know, it's really good all the way around. And, and that's what's really exciting, you know, about uh, the different racetracks. And they do that. And, for example, in New York, uh, they're redoing, uh, they're rebuilding Belmont Park. Uh, I mean, they just literally went in and just wiped the board clean and they are starting from scratch. Uh, they're adding a lot of things that have modernized, uh, the facility, uh, with all new, new type of, you know, seating and grandstands and, 
and infield. They got uh, a couple of new tracks that they're putting in, uh, putting in like a, a tapita track, an artificial track. Uh, they got a, their grass course is going to be beautiful. Uh, the dirt track is going to be just phenomenal, you know, and then they've got an infield where they can have, um, you know, like infield people come on Belmont day, uh, you know, they can go into the infield and they'll have plenty of facilities in there, um, you know, from concessions to restrooms to, you know, um, private areas, you know, that you can rent out or lease, uh, during the season. And that's one of the things that is going to be good about Belmont. Um, but unfortunately, for 24 and 25, uh, the Belmont Stakes will be run at uh, at a mile and a quarter at Saratoga. Saratoga is going to host the Belmont uh, meets for the next two years, and that, that's kind of good. You know, uh, it's it's keeping racing going. It's keeping Belmont going. Everybody will anticipate the. The opening of the new Belmont Park, uh, that, oh boy, well, that'd be a grand day when they get there. Uh, you know, that's going to be really interesting. Um, the New York Racing Association will increase uh, the purse money of the Belmont states from 1.5 million to 2 million. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? They're increasing the states money in all these different tracks. And the reason they're doing that is to attract the, you know, the good horses. And, and what happens is a lot of times um, people uh, that are training, they like to get there and they like to train and they'll move a, a group of horses in and run the whole meet. You know, and for example, like, uh, uh, I mean, let me tell you, I love Saratoga. I couldn't wait for uh, the, the Belmont Stakes to get over with. Because we would we would literally start shipping horses up in April to um, uh, Saratoga, and the grooms would fight on who was going up there, who you know the whole nine yards and everything. And so now these guys are going to be going up there uh, to do the Belmont Stakes. Uh, that'll be in in June, so they'll be up there early. They'll be at Saratoga early, and they'll just stay there until the meet's over with, and which will be at the end of August. And everything. So now the grooms are fighting and, you know, scrapping with each other. Who's going to go up to do the Saratoga? And, and that's really a good thing, you know. And now they got a two million dollar race, you know, uh, labeled on it. Uh, unfortunately, it's only going to be a mile and a quarter. But when it goes back to Belmont Park and um, in Elmont, uh, it, it'll go back to a mile and a half. Uh, you know, there. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, what I like about it is the community is all behind it. Uh, they are so much behind this thing. It's unreal. And they're just thinking about the economic impact that it's going to have on, um, you know, Saratoga itself. It's going to get an awful lot of people in there and, and to visit, uh, you know, uh, before, during, and after, you know, the meet. And, and that's what I like is now you got the state, you got the county, you got the city behind it, you got the Chamber of Commerce, you got all kinds of, uh, um, you know, things to do there and packages to do. And, and what they're trying to do is get people in into uh, Saratoga for two or three days, you know, uh, maybe during, you know, before the Belmont and after the Belmont and during the Saratoga meet is going to be really uh, a good thing, you know, to do. Um that's what I, I, I like about it. Just all kinds of things going on. And like I said, <laughs> I dropped all my papers here, and so we're going to kind of get away from the uh, uh, racetracks talk for a minute. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a, a group. It's called the Thoroughbred Owner View. It's by the, uh, the Kentucky Jockey Club and the Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to educate people into about the horse business. Not only new people, but they're trying to, uh, or you know, get the people that are there up to speed. You know, modernize them. Uh, I remember on the racetrack, it was the funniest thing when cell phones first started coming out. Uh, you know, you always, if you needed to talk to somebody, you have to go into your office and you'd have to call them and you know, from your office or you'd have to call them from your, you know, from the farm or your hotel or, you know, wherever you were at. And, and what was funny is we all laughed at, uh, 
a lot of the big trainers um, and owners, they had telephones in their cars. And it, you know, it was funny to, you know, see stuff like that, you know, back in the day. And I remember when, uh, when, uh, uh, AT&T came out with their cell phone package, they came to the track and they selected a few of the trainers that were, that were really big in the game. And, um, they'd give them this big old cell phone, heavy thing, and they'd have it and they'd be, you know, in the paddock area or to barn talking on it. And everything, and then you know, of course, the cell phones got smaller and more economical, and you know, it, it was it was really interesting to see. But you know, it's things like that that you know, t- times do change, and that's what I liked about the thoroughbred owner view uh, by the Jockey Club and the Thoroughbred Owner and Breeders Association. They've kind of um, put together some programs that you can get on video or go to their website and, and get. And some of the things that they talk about, they go into deep deep, deep discussions about like accounting and tax consideration for the owners. Uh, they do that. They've got a number that you can call and you can get all kinds of, you know, help from people that have actually experienced these things, you know, and how they do it. Um, it slides from the accounting and tax panel uh, down to, uh, uh, you know, any and everything, you know, that you might need, whether it's legal, um, you know, advice on, you know, uh, how to file your taxes, it's really good. Um, then they have uh, handicapping for owners. And what I like about the handicapping program is they start teaching the owners how to handicap, what to look for. You know, why is that horse running in this race? Uh, you know, uh, why is he winning? Why is he losing? Is he running over his head? Uh, you know, uh, and winning a lot of races against uh, less less experienced horses. Or is he just good? And that's what I like about, um, uh, you know, when they start looking at things like that, like the handicapping aspect of it. And what it does is it teaches the owner, it educates the owner to learn about uh, bloodlines, trainers, workouts, uh, you name it, 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 it all goes through it. And it's done by professionals and people that have been there and done that. And that's the most, uh, one of the most Important things I think that an owner can do because a lot of time at your own, uh, you see an owner at the racetrack and I get the biggest kick out of it. Um, every racetrack has what they call a condition book. And like say, for example, if you're at, uh, if you're at Keeneland in, in the spring, well, you walk around and the owners will put the condition in the back pocket and where the word you see Keeneland condition book on it. And they walk around that with that for a while. And then when the meet's almost over at Keeneland, you'll see them have a Churchill Downs condition book in that pocket. And they're walking around, everybody looking at them and seeing, you know, what they got and see that condition book said, oh, he must be an owner or a trainer, you know, that type of thing. Or if they're going to Oakland, you know, uh, for the summer, they'll have an Oakland condition book. And uh, the trainers will walk around and they'll see each other and they go, Hey, Charlie, he said, uh, you got an Oakland book and I could look at real quick, you know, and it's, it's all animated, you know, and what I like about it, it's part of the game. It's, 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 you know, uh, you're out there. It's kind of like your swagger when you're out there, you know, they, that identifies you as who, who you are. And, and, but, you know, it's a good thing because it's sharing of information. That's how you build a better stable and better, you know, training program. Um, one of the things that they have in here that's excellent, and I've been through it, is developing a business plan uh, for your horse business. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what trainer to get, uh, uh, you know, what horses to buy. You know, do you buy it to sales or do you buy it privately? Uh, it's, it's got all kinds of things in there. It talks about insurance. It talks about, um, you know, the running your business operation, uh, getting consistent with what you do. Uh, about hiring and firing and you know it, it uh, that business plan is probably the most important thing you know that um that an owner or a trainer can have and you got to get consistent with it and the ones that usually have a pretty good uh business plan in operation uh and you can tell as soon as you walk in the barn you know how their operation is they i don't lie as i always say uh, you go in there and you can tell without asking a word or seeing a horse 
what kind of operation they have and all. So, you know, this overview, owner overview that the Jockey Club has is a tremendous asset to the business. And if it were me, I would require every trainer and every owner to take a, a course, uh, you know, from the owner view and see what it's all about. You know, let them ask questions and see what they're getting into. That would avoid a lot of problems that they'd have. And, you know, which we've had in, in the past, uh, you know, you develop that business plan properly. And then one of the things that's kind of, um, interesting, uh, that, that I see, uh, in here, uh, is the buying at public auctions. Uh, that's a real good education right there. Um, you know, it's really good. Uh, it, it goes in and tells you how to look at the bloodlines and, you know, and what to look for, what a horse look should look like, uh, you know, that type of thing. Uh, it's always good. And, and you should always take your trainer with you because your trainer has a pretty good, you know, eye on what he wants and, you know, what he thinks he can do with that horse. And so, you know, it's a good bonding uh, situation for, uh, you know, a trainer and an owner, which is really good. And then this is one thing that, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've been in this business all my life since since 1980, and I never could figure out claiming races. Never could figure it out. And you know, people say, "Oh well, you know, this guy he claimed this, and he got one this and one that, and you know, he got him on the claim, and you know, he he you know made some money with him and all like that." But like my dad always told me, he said, when you claim a horse, not only are you buying somebody's proven success with the horse, you're also buying his problems, too. And, you know, I just never could understand, you know, that. I said, you know, sure, yeah, the horse has run 12 times and he's had four wins, you know, and he's made $150,000. That's a success. You know, but then you got to look at the the times that he didn't win you know that was his failure and you know when you buy when you claim a horse you got to remember that you know that that somebody's getting rid of him for a reason and you got to think about that you know and, and i tell you it's it's a tough game i, I just don't see uh, much you know doing with it uh, never did did see it but you know who knows you, you know you never can tell look at uh uh, you know, look at some of these big horses that have gone on and won, uh, which is really good, uh, you know, for them. But they claimed them and they knew what they were doing. Um, then, then they have a, a deal where you can sit down and you can, um, um, talk with your veterinarian and you can go over, you know, some of the expenses that you're going to have, you know, with the horse, uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, there with the, uh, um, you know, with, with, with the veterinarian. Um, then it gets, they go on to a lot of things that, uh, you know, you can get videos and, and, you know, a lot of, uh, information on, um, you know, it's a veterinarian's pedigrees and confirmation, uh, highs and registration for owners, uh, new owners of the year, jockey and jockey agents, aftercare. What do you do with your horse after he gets through running? A lot of people don't think about that. Uh, a, a lot of thoroughbreds, uh, and standard breads make great show horses. You know, after after they're through running, uh, you know, they run three or four years, and then you know you just take them out and stick them in a field, and a lot of them aren't happy because they're used to that, you know, that competitive competition, you know, every day. And what I like about it is you can get them into a good aftercare program, and they become, you know, and end up being really good good show horses. You know, and it's kind of exciting to. Uh, you know, see that, uh, you know, success on, on the track, on, on the showgrounds after the track. Uh, you know, that's really, really good, you know, to see. And then they say, uh, you know, it's all kinds of different things that you have, uh, you know, in your business that makes you successful. And most, most of your owners are really diligent and, you know, they, they do their due diligence and they get in and they get involved with, uh, you know, all kinds of horses and everything. And, and so I get all excited about it, you know, when I see it. Uh, it's just really, uh, you know, a great organization to be with, with. And it's kind of like going, 
you know, through high school and college, uh, you get in there and you do that. I, re- I really enjoy that, you know, seeing that. And it makes you feel, uh, it makes you feel a lot better. Uh, now this is going to sound interesting. Uh, you know, if you win, you know, well, oh, yeah, I, I did that, uh, you know, uh, owners uh, thing, you know, with the jockey club, you know, and, and you feel good about it. But what's really good about it is that when you lose, you can go back and you can kind of check off, you know, what we did wrong, what we didn't do, what we did do, you know, how can we change it? You know, it puts it all into, uh, you know, a good situation. And let me tell you something. If you educate yourself and you study hard and work hard at it, at all these things that the, um, you know, thoroughbred owners uh, has, has to look at, when you lose, it doesn't hurt so bad because, you know, you put, put together your best effort and, you know, it, it was really good, you know, and so that's what I like about, about the organizations that they have in the horse business and now all, all the, all the businesses, uh, you know, all the different breeds, they have their, uh, you know, their, uh, organizations and their, uh, educational tools that you can go with, you know, whether it's a United States, um, equestrian federation, uh, the FEI, AQHA, uh, you know, they all have similar uh, programs there for you to get into. And if you educate yourself very, very um, uh, well, very good. I don't know. I'm not really that educated, but, you know, it's got to be good, you know, to do all that, you know, and at least you tried, you know, and it's not a, a luck thing. You know, it's a, it's an educated um uh, guess on buying the horse and you know racing the horse and all like that so it, it's always a good thing to do now we're into the stake season and this is this is this is uh when you get into it with your owners and your trainers and your jockeys uh there there's a race that uh it's going to be held at the fairgrounds and it's called it, it, now it's not a Derby qualifying, Kentucky Derby qualifying uh, race, which uh, in order to run in the Derby, you have to run in. Uh, there's 26 uh, races that you have to uh, that uh, be run over the year that have Derby qualifying points. And what I like about this is is the fact that um, uh, it, it takes a lot of planning, and it's all, and it's something that you. Uh, that you can sit down and do, um, you know, a year in advance. You can do a theoretical uh, plan for a horse, you know, say, okay, you got a two-year-old. And so you put down, when do you start breaking him and when do you start training him, getting him ready for the races. And so you go through all that. You you get your farm uh, where you're going to break the horse at, uh, you know, where he's going to first start his schooling at. And so you sit down and, and with that farm manager and that farm trainer and say, this is what I want to do with this horse. And everybody says, I want to run the Kentucky Derby or the Kentucky Oaks. You know, that's their first thing that they do. So the trainer at the farm and the farm manager, they sit down and they discuss with you, you know, the process. Okay, we're going to start this horse in training on December 1st, we'll say. And so you start getting the horse ready. Uh, some people try earlier. Some people, you know, usually December first, and you got to have them going and everything. So they take them at, at the farm. Um, they teach them um, how to gallop. They, they teach them how to um, do all the things that you need to do on the track. Uh, they school them in the gate. They teach them get them gate ready for when they go to the track. And uh, they do that. Um, they they work them usually. That's when they first start getting their their uh, consistent uh, work ethics. Uh, you know, a lot of people like say, okay, well, you know, if we're going to run in the Derby, the last work that the horse will get will be uh, like like say the Tuesday before the Derby. But most most likely, all the people that start doing this, they work their horses on Saturday. Because that's usually the, the days that they're going to race all through the, the how they get there uh, to to the Derby. Uh, they get them used to running on Saturdays into a regular routine. 
you know, just like because you're going to run the Derby on Saturday, might as well work them on Saturday. Might as well race them on Saturday. If you're going to run the Arkansas Derby, you're going to lose the Anna Derby, uh, Santa Anita Derby, all on Saturdays. So you get them into that routine. And so once they start getting in the routine, you start fine-tuning them. You know when to push them a little harder, when to back off of them. You see how they do, you know, with everything. Then you get to a point where they get get their first works uh, on the track, usually three fur, furlongs, and, um, you know, in, with competition. Um, most people start out uh, their first works with just by themselves, and they'll do um, – you know, they go down, do three-eighths of a mile by themselves. And we'll see how they do. It, you know, if, if they falter any, if they seem like they want to go, go a little further with the, uh, you know, with the work, it tells you a lot what kind of horse you have, their attitude and their motion and, you know, how, how they deal with it. And then um, uh, once they do get those first few works in, you see how they come back out the next day of the work, if they did good. You know, if they were sore, you know, just what, you know, just take a good evaluation of them. And then you start moving them up. And then after you've done that four or five times, you get in there and you start working them with other horses. You know, letting them find out, you know, what it's like to have a little competition, you know, beside them. You see, hey, you know, did he uh, pick up the bit? You know, did he, was he aggressive? Uh, how did he feel when other horses came along the side of him? You know, that type of thing. And so, you know, you start getting them used to that, getting them ready for race day. And then, eventually, you have to take them to the starting gate. And that's really interesting uh, to do. Now, I know a real good trainer, probably the best um, schooler uh, that I know uh, of young horses in, in Ocala. And what they do is they have sheets of plywood, four by sheets, four by eight sheets of plywood that are put up, and they paint them black. And they're kind of wide. Um, and they walk the horses through them every day. When they go to the track, they go through, through uh, the, the boards, and they when they come back to the barn, they go through. So that start gets getting used to being with other horses, you know, and, and um, you know, kind of like the feeling of a gate. But the gate's much tighter. And then after you do that for a while, the next thing that you do, you go in and you uh, uh, put them in an actual gate. And with other horses, you know, two two other horses, and you put, you know, sometimes you put them in a one, uh, one two, three. Uh, the next time you might go two, three, one. And then the next time you might go three, one, you know, two. And do it that way. So you get get them used to having horses on both sides of them. And, and so that that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, that the owner has to plan out. And it takes months and months of uh, planning uh, in advance, you know, to get all the logistics of everything done. And, and that's what's really tough with them. So once you get that, you know, you get them to the farm, and then eventually the farm trainer and the farm manager say, okay, Mr. Owner, uh, you know, your horse is ready to go to the track. Um, who, who are you sending him to? And then, uh, he'll say like Todd Pletcher, Suge McGahee, um, you know, Dale Romans, you know, that type of thing. And so when they get ready to go to, go to the trainer, they have what they call a passport. And the passport from day one, from the day that they hit the ground, you, you create a, it's like a diary. It's, but we call it a passport. And everything that's done to that horse when, when he gets his first shoes, when he gets trimmed, um, when he gets all his vaccinations, uh, you know, everything that goes on him, the feed that he's on, uh, the training schedule, uh, the location, uh, when he gets body clipped, uh, you know, you put all that information in there because that, that's a guide to how you're going to, you, you know, you're going to understand your horse you know, why he does what he does, because this is where he came from. And so, so that's always interesting. You got that passport ready to go. And then it's, it's carried on, uh, when he goes from the farm to the trainer and the trainer, he starts his, his, you know, work in it. Uh, how far did he gallop today? Who galloped him? Um, 
you know, what, how did how did he do? Did he have any problems? Uh, was he noticing a lot of horses around him? Uh, you know, you just you just log everything into that that you can to help you understand that horse better. Because if something happens down the road, you want to be able to look back in that passport and see, you know, why he did what he did. You know, that's what you got to look at. And you know, did, was his feed changed? Uh, did he go to another track? Uh, who was training him? Uh, how did he ship on a on a van? Uh, you know, all, all those things. You know that that you have to do. Does he like his feed? Um, does he does he eat up all of his feed all at once, or a little bit? Does he pick at it all day long? Those are the kind of things that you have to know in these passports, in order to keep that horse happy and healthy. That's very, very important. You weigh the horse, you know, um, sometimes every week. Some trainers will weigh them every week to see how they are, uh, you know, to monitor that. If you get a big growth spurt, then you know what to uh, add to or back down off of, uh, you know, in their feed and their and their training and so forth. Because uh, if you got a horse that's growing real quick, you got to be careful on your training because, you know, you don't want to overextend him because his body, you know, is trying to catch up with, with the growth. So, you know, that, that that's all in your passport. And then once you start working them, then you can start telling how good they are. You know, um, you start knowing, you know, about how many more works is he going to need before he gets his first race? Is he fit enough to go? Uh, you know, that's all the things that a trainer has to has to go over with. And then he tells the, uh, tells the owner, he says, hey, look, he says, I think that uh, we're in pretty good shape here. And, you know, the horse uh, should be able to run. And, you know, we need to get him involved in, in, a, in a nice race. Uh, we want to just want to see what ha- happens, you know, with him. And like I said before, there's a lot of races for two-year-olds that are from anywhere from five and a half furlongs to six furlongs, seven furlongs, and to up to a mile, a mile and a sixteenth. But, you know, you don't want to throw them into a mile on the 16th right off the bat. You want to kind of school them and educate them. And usually it's a shorter race. And so, you know, you go out and you see how and how he does, and you know, how or she does. And, and you just kind of go from there with it. And you can start planning to step him up a little bit. And the Kentucky Derby um, and the show that we have called How They Get There, it's about how, how they get to the Derby. And so the Kentucky Derby, uh, um, people started thinking, well, you know, we want to have a good quality product in the Kentucky Derby. You know, we just don't want to take the top 20 horses that earn the most because there's a lot of horses that earn a lot of money early, but they are not stakes quality, you know, uh, type horses. And, so Churchill's arranged to have 26 uh, races, qualifying races that you have to run in and earn points. And you get anywhere from 10 down to 5. And so what you do is as long as you got enough points, you get in the Kentucky Derby, but you still got to be bringing a horse along and making sure that every time he runs, he gets a little better and he runs against a little stiffer competition. Now, a lot of people aren't ready to run the big races yet. And every racetrack, and we're talking about the fairgrounds right now, uh, every racetrack uh, has uh, pre-qualifying races for their main event, we'll say. It's a, it's a many how they get there. I like to say the fairgrounds for the, for the um, uh, Ar- uh, Louisiana Derby. Now, the racing secretary will write uh, races to help you get along. And this one's uh, for Louisiana Champions Day. It's for Louisiana uh, Colton Geldings that were bred in Louisiana. Um, the purse uh, for this race is, I tell you what, it's, it's good money. It's $100,000 going six furlongs. And, you know, these are for state breads. And so this really, you know, tells you, hey, maybe I got, maybe I got a good horse here. We're going to see what happens. And they enter him into it, and, and then they go from there. And what I like about it is they get good schooling, good money. And this is a, a race that's on December 9th, tomorrow, on Louisiana Champions Day. It's the Juvenile Stakes. Um, it's going six furlongs, and we have a nine-horse field. 
It's got a nine-horse field. That's pretty good. So once they run this race tomorrow, and the trainers and owners look at it, if you went out and you did it, had a good showing and it ran real good, then you can start thinking about uh, you know the Louisiana Derby coming up. You know what what did we have to do to get him into the Louisiana Derby? Now, like I said, every track has a series of races that leads up to their to their big race. Uh, like in Arkansas, they got, uh, they got two or three, the Southwest stakes, uh, they lead up to it. Uh, they've got, um, you know, same thing at Santa Anita, uh, that leads up to their, their races, uh, Louisiana, Florida, Florida Derby. Uh, they got uh, a couple of good races that, uh, that are there. They got one that's a short, short, uh, race. It's seven furlongs, uh, but it's called the Swale Stakes. And then they have, which is a good race to to win. It really uh, stamps your horse as a good horse. Uh, they got the Fountain of Youth, and then you know you got the Tampa Bay Derby. I mean the uh, Florida Derby, and then over Tampa you got the Tampa Bay Derby, and they got the Sam Houston before that. So they got two or three races at each track that lead up to their big event, uh, you know, of of the year, and it gets the horses uh, time to. Uh, getting adjusted to the track, uh, you know, wherever you're at, you know, you kind of kind of stay in the same form without going anywhere. Now there are trainers that will send horses into, uh, like hot springs or to the fairgrounds in New Orleans or to Florida or to Tampa, you know, that, that type of thing. They'll send them in. And when they send them in, they might take them right back to where they might be training in Kentucky, but they'll ship into, uh, Florida you know, to win, try to win one of those races. So that's another education that you get on your horses, you know, training and, and, uh, you know, at one track, shipping to another track, you know, and, and running against state, uh, you know, big competition and all. So that, that's always interesting to see. And I really haven't figured it out yet. Uh, now there are some trainers like Todd Pletcher, for example, He's down pretty much to a, a pretty good routine. He stays in Florida here at our Palm Beach Downs facility. And, um, he, he usually runs in the Tampa Bay Derby, you know, or the Florida Derby. Um, he, he'll run in the Fountain of Youth and he'll run into Sam Houston and, and some of the prep races getting up to the Florida Derby and the Tampa Bay Derby. And he had a lot of success out with that, uh, you know, in his system. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, uh, super saver and uh, always dreaming uh, came in through the program here in Florida for Todd, and he wins the Derby with both of them. You know, so so that was good, and a lot of trainers do that. Uh, you know, but but it's all about you know your horses and educating them and, and getting them into you know uh, you know how it should be done, and, and that's what the trainers and the owners have to go over right now at this sta- this stage and point. You know, and this is the time that you line up all your, uh, transportation to get your horses to Kentucky, whether you, you know, you ship them up by, you know, by truck or whether you fly them up, uh, you know, that type of thing, which all these things are new to horses, you know, and, and it can cause some issues, uh, you know, and, because it's all about the schooling of your horses, you know, how you educate them. And same thing with the, with owners. And it's how you, how a trainer educates his owner. You know, that helps make successful derby runs. It's just like educating your horses. You gotta get them used to the grind, as they say. And then, um, you know, once that happens, you know what's gonna happen in about, um, 10 days to two weeks before the derby, you pretty much know who's gonna be there. And there are a lot of horses that should be there. And there's a lot of horses that shouldn't be there. You know, and I tell you what, all the owners want to run in the Derby. They want to put on a dog and pony show and, you know, for their friends and everything. But to be honest with you, there's about half of those horses don't even belong in that field. To be honest with you, uh, you know, but they do have enough points. But, you know, the, the races that they won, they weren't devastating, you know, anybody. They weren't had the wow factor. You know, they didn't have all that stuff, but the owners want to do it, you know, and I can't blame them. You know, I can't blame them. That's um, like me. I own, own a percentage of, of, uh, of a nice little filly, and it's a small, small amount. Nevertheless, I, I, I 
treated just like an owner is the guy that owns 96% of them. You know, when I go to the track, I'm an owner. And that's what it's all about, you know. And a lot of these owners, they get their horses ready to run in the derby, and they want to run in the derby, you know, because they can. And the point system kind of puts a better quality horse in the derby by earning enough points to get it to qualify to get in the derby. So that, that you know, that's a good thing, you know, that they do that. And then there's other uh, trainers that I've seen that um, and, and owners that I know. That they come in and they say, wow, you know, so one Mr. Trainer said, you know, Mr. Jockey uh, said, you know, we got a good horse there and he's been running competitive and, you know, he's won here and there, but can he run in the Derby? And, you know, if the owners, if the trainer's a good trainer and a jockey's a good jockey, they're going to say, no, ain't got a shot. And it's hard to tell an owner that because he's the guy that got, got him to where he's at and foot all the bills. And then next thing you know, I, I've known trainers that says, hey, you know, we're, we're not going to run in a derby. Uh, we're going to bypass the derby, and we're going to go straight to the Preakness. And next thing you know, they won the Preakness, the Triple Crown race, you know, which which is good. You know, or they bypass the derby and the Preakness, and they run in the Belmont Stakes. You know, and that's always tough, you know, for an owner to do, but there's so many decisions that have to be made. You know, and I, I'm looking, you know, like at the stakes calendar now. In the U.S., coming up here from uh, uh, stakes races in the United States every year, there's 575 stake races during the year. And that's just an insane amount of, you know, of horse racing that, that all the tracks have. Every track's got their own, own races and you know, they do their own thing and they brand their races and, and hopefully, you know, you can get some good winners, you know, that, that come out of them. Uh, we had a good year so far. Um, racing has been good. A lot of good stakes races come along. But now we're coming up to the races that you have to start running in to get your horse ready for not only for the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont, but you got to get them ready for the Breeders' Cup. So your your training schedule is always training and changing. You got to train accordingly to where you can you know get where you need to get. And so I, I was excited just to see you know all the things that are coming up here now. Like uh, for example, uh, we have um, running to let's see here tomorrow. Uh, well, we got we got the um, the Springboard Mile coming up the fifteenth. And then uh, the Los Alamitos Futurity, I think, is in, in two weeks. Uh, I haven't checked. I know they've changed the date on that. But then they, then we go to the 23rd, we go to the Gunrunner Stakes, and that's a prep race, you know, for, for uh, uh, a lot of good races, you know, there with them. But, that, I mean, that's the way it is when you're training and you're trying to lead the life. You know, it's not as glamorous as people think. Hey, I was in quite a few Kentucky Derbies in my day. Didn't get to see any of them because I was working. <laughs> and that, that was a tough part. You know, you get to see the crowd when you lead them over and you get to see the crowd when you lead them back. You know, and another night you don't see anything. You don't see any of the festivities. You don't see nothing. You know, you just hear about it. And, but that's all part of the game. It's all part of the game, you know, so you, you got to plan out your schedule. And then, you know, again, for the owners, the owners said, if I want to get a horse to go to the Derby, you know, how, how do I get him there? Well, he, he's got to make a decision. Um, do I buy one or do I breed one? And mo most of the trainer, most of the owners breed, you know, uh, will buy horses. Uh, not, not a lot of real big, uh, breeders anymore. I mean, there are, but you know, they're mostly commercial breeders, but, um, like the owner and the trainer, they'll go to the sales and they'll see what they have uh, there. For like example, the 24, 2024 sales date for OBS in Ocala, um, they got uh, the winter mixed uh, sale, horses of racing age, uh, January 23rd and 24th. The uh, horses uh, under tack will be uh, January 22nd, 22nd at Monday, and that's at 9 a.m. 
Uh, then we have the uh, March sale of two-year-olds in training. And see, that's really pretty quick. You got you got three months into the year, and you got two-year-olds that are coming up that you could look start looking for that outstanding Derby winner. You know, what does he do at that sales? You know, how does he look? Is he big? Is he strong? So, you know, that's what the owner and trainer need to sit down and take a look at. Um, then that, that's the March 12th and the 14th. And if they have under tax, it's March 6th and 9th. It's a Wednesday and a Saturday at 8 a.m. Um, that they have the spring sale of two-year-olds in training at OBS is April 16th through the 19th. Under tax sale is 7th through April 7th through the 13th. Uh, and that's a good sale right there. The man, let me tell you something. You literally can go to these sales. And in 30 days, you've got a runner. If you can find a race for him somewhere, you, you can run him. You know, he's ready to go. And then, um, in June, we have two year old, uh, two year olds, uh, horses of racing age, uh, January 11th and 13th of 2024. Under tax is, I mean, June 11th and 13th. Uh, under tax sale is June 3rd through the 8th, um, to see them under tax. And you can literally, buy a horse in there and take him to the track and run him next day. I mean, that, that's, you're, they're literally, literally ready to go. And then the whole process starts over again with the October yearling sales, October 8th and 9th, and uh, that, that's uh, at OBS. So, you know, you can pretty much a one-stop shop right there at OBS. You know, you can get in there and find your horse ready to run right away, you know, see what happens. And then down in Texas, um, we have, uh, the two-year-olds in training sales set for April the 3rd. Uh, this is going to be a, a real nice sale. Uh, uh, not, I tell you, you can, you can find some bargains in there because them Texas horses are tough. And I'll tell you one thing for sure. You don't ever have to worry about the heat with these horses because they're used to that heat and they can take the heat anywhere, anytime. A lot of horses that you buy out of there, you want to see a good hot day up at Saratoga or Churchill, you know, uh, somewhere along in there. But that's the uh, Texas two-year-old in training. So get them ready to go. All you got to do is ship them to the track and run them. And then um, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're always talking about how you got to uh, uh, keep the business going. Uh, you got to do things uh, for the people that uh, uh, are around you. Um, you got to in the business. You got to think about the horsemen and what they like, and you got to listen to them. You got to get on the ground and talk to them and see how they feel about you know all the different you know uh, programs and stake races and tracks that you go to. And it was kind of interesting. The Breeders' Cup will be back to back. It was at Santa Anita this year. And it's going to be back to back at Del Mar in 2024 and 2025. The Breeders' Cup will be at Del Mar. And that, that's really unusual, you know, to see things like that happen. And the reason that they do that is that, that, uh, Del Mar is a fantastic facility. Uh, the weather is usually good. Uh, the surfaces are good. Uh, it's got the, it's got all the, 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 the backdrop. Uh, what horse racing should be. The track is unbelievable. The staff is unbelievable. Um, you know, everything is just phenomenal at Del Mar. No other place, as I say, by the sea, by the sea, Del Mar is a place to be. And I'm telling you, there is good racing out there. So now that the horsemen know that the Breeders' Cup is going to be at Del Mar two years in a row, it gives a lot of the East Coast trainers, they start thinking, hey, you know, maybe maybe we should get out there for a race sometime during the year, you know, to see how our horse likes the track. That's a big question that's going to be put in front of these. Because you got to remember now, these doggone trainers in, in, in California, you got Baffert, Mandela, Mandela, you got uh, um, Miller, you got... Um, you got a lot of good trainers out there. And you got to remember, that's their home court. And so anybody coming from out east needs to figure out, you know, do I go out there and try to get the lay of the land, see how the horses deal with it. Now, if it were me, uh, and I had a couple of horses, 
um, I would send a couple horses out there. Uh, you know, they might not be stage quality, you know, good allowance horses, maybe even a stage quality horse. But I'd just take two horses and send, send out and as an experiment to see how they travel. Uh, you know, they're gonna, you're gonna fly them out. Uh, you fly them out and uh, put them in the barn, you know, keep them there 90 days, race them, you know, once or twice and see how they do. See how the, the travel, the time, you know, the, the surroundings affect them. And then that way, when you get ready to take your good horses out, you'll have a little bit of, uh, education and information on, you know, what to do with them. And, and that's the way I look at it, you know, but, you know, it's not a perfect world and everything. Uh, you, you just show up for the Breeders' Cup no matter where you're at. If you got a good horse, he's going to win no matter where he's at and how, no matter how he got there. You know, he's going to win. But, you know, it's just something to think about. And what I like about it is uh, at Del Mar twice in a row, in fact, if it were me, I'd have it there every year. You know, that that would be my my deal. I'd, I'd have it there every year because they're, they're really good at what they do. Now, all the tracks they have at the Breeders' Cup are good. But it would be just kind of nice, you know, that you could put in, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, we're going to think about Delmar two years in a row. How are we going to do it? What kind of crew are we going to have, uh, you know, to take it out of there? There's a lot of logistics to it. You know, when you get out there, you got to go out there and make a, you know, uh, get with your feed dealers. And if you're on, if you're on hallway feed, and I'm always talking about, you don't have to worry about it because the hallway feed you're, feeding on the east coast will be the same out on the west coast because they service the west coast tracks you know and so you, you got to think about things like that uh, a lot of the hay that you get there for delmar and california is the hay that, that uh, you get out of washington and that's that's what most of the guys uh you know trainers here feed is hay from washington you know, so that makes a big difference. So, but you know, it's just things like that that you're supposed to do, and, and uh, you know, it's just interesting to see, you know, what happens with them. So, you know, now we pretty much run through like everything there. Uh, I like the fact, like I said, Del Mar two years in a row. Uh, I like that. You know, everybody else is liking it. Some people don't want to admit it. But uh, deep down they are, you know, because, you know, you're sitting home and you got the wife or girlfriend at home and you got the keys and, oh, we're going to, we're going to be able to get to go to, uh, you know, to California two years in a row. You know, next thing you know, they're buying surfboards and you're out there for a month before the, before the Breeders Cup really having a good time. You know, so that, that's, that's what's uh, really good. And they're doing a lot of, um, repairs to uh del mar they're, they're going to be over the next two or three years they're going to be um you know fixing the track up doing a lot of things you know um sprucing it up as my grandmother would say uh, you know that, that will be uh will be good and also you know you look at that and then to follow suit uh gulf stream uh like like belmont and del mar and, you know quite and churchill um the Gulf Stream's got a new turf course, and it's been well received by the horsemen. Uh, it's been unused since uh, it was renovated in May, and so they've been working on that, you know. And so now they're getting out on it and, and seeing what it's like. And, and uh, they, uh, the new turf course at Gulf Stream Park has received rave reviews from jockeys uh, Edgar Zayas and uh, uh, and others. Uh, Safi Jones, Joseph Jr. trainer, he said the horse is really, really doing, the track's really good. You know, so now all of a sudden, you know, they're starting to really, you know, get into it. You know, uh, getting the horse, the tracks the way they should be for, you know, the trainers and the owners and the fans. And, and once you start taking all those into consideration, you're pretty good, uh, in pretty good shape. And, you know, as we talked to you about, um, a lot of things here on here that I just ramble on a lot of times, you know, about different things and, and all, but the, um, uh, the, the American Animal Equine Practitioners, AAEP, seeks proposals for wearable biometric sensors. So we've had a lot of horses go down over the last few years, you know, in the big races and, and just in general. So now what they're doing, 
if they're wanting to uh, get, uh, they're looking for a company to help develop a wearable uh, electronic uh, sensor that will monitor, like the the blood pressure and you know monitor heart rate and you know everything that that's done with the, the horse. And so now they're, they're starting to get the right idea. You know, it's all about the horse and safety. And if they can get approval to, you know, get electronic, uh, you know, things to uh, work on the horse, it, it would be good, you know, for them to do. Uh, now, I know that we've used heart monitors, you know, on uh, on the horses before, and that's worked really good. And we've also uh, uh, worked with uh, breathing uh, apparatuses that record their, their breathing. And, and that works good. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's all about the horse. It's all about the horse, treating the horse right, making sure that they, uh, uh, you know, get get that done. Uh, you know, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that comes up. We'll keep you updated on that. Uh, Racing Commission approves Turf Paradise Racing Days. They're going to have uh, 57 live dates. Uh, at Turf Paradise from January 29th to May 4th, uh, which will be good for them. Uh, closing day will be Derby Day this year. So they get all that big money in there to, to be wagered on. And they'll have a good stage program there too, uh, during, during that, uh, uh, during their meet there. Uh, I, I tell you, uh, you know, it, every time you turn around and say, oh, well, we're going to close up, we're going to close up. But let me tell you, when it comes down to closing them doors, uh-uh. They don't do it. They find a way to do it, and they find out that they got to help the, the you know, the, the patrons, the guests. Uh, you got to educate them. And one of the things that that um, that I'm starting now, and we're going to give away. It's called horse knowledge, horse sense. And I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. But I think it's going to be like horse sense, something like that. And what it is, is we're going to call it, we're going to have somebody call in and we're going to ask them if they know what a certain item is, you know, with, with, in the horses. Uh, like what's a bit, uh, you know, what's a, uh, lead line or a shank. Uh, there's be a lot of things, uh, that we're going to do with that. And I'll give away a Kentucky Derby glass, a 2024 Kentucky Derby glass. Uh, to the people that can answer that question right. And with all the listeners and viewers and people that know about me, I don't have to worry about buying a lot of glasses. <laughs> the two glasses that I've already bought for 2024 will still be on my trophy case here against all my win pictures and everything. I said, so that, that's a good thing. People said, well, you don't get many people that listen to you. And I said, well, you know, I said, that's good and bad. So the good thing is, is I don't have any critics out there. But the bad thing is, is I got nobody to praise me. So however I feel I did, I did good. If I did bad, you know, that type of thing. And then the other thing is, is nobody can talk bad about me. You know, I said, that's good. I said, I'm winning all the way around in this deal. So the worst thing that can happen to me, I get, get a thousand listeners and have them ringing my phone off the hook. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what you did. You said this wrong. You said that. And uh, so that's the good thing about it, you know. But nevertheless, I'm having fun at what I do. It's like playing golf. You know, it costs a lot of money to play golf. But to do a podcast, it don't cost you that much. You know, and so that's what I like, you know, about what I'm doing. But um, our update on on how they get there, the horses that we're following, uh, fierceness. Uh, he's leading the uh, he's leading the uh, the group of horses of two year olds, well, soon to be three year olds here next month. Um, he's got thirty points, and he's got a million forty five thousand dollars in the bank. He's trained by Todd Pletcher, owned by Repo Stable. And then they've got another one in here that, that just all of a sudden just jumped up. And uh, he's earned $54,000 owned by Repo Stable, trained by Todd Pletcher. But the thing of it is, he says, be you. That's who it is. And he's, he's a nice horse. He's really a nice horse. But um, that's how the rankings, you know, have come out so far. 
And, uh, you know, I, I was saying the other day, I said, you know, repo stables and Todd always come up, you know, with quite a few, three, four, five, you know, contenders, you know, uh, for the, um, uh, for the races. And then, uh, the Remsen was held at uh, Milan and eight at uh, Aqueduct. Um, it's $250,000 and Dornich, uh, won the, won the race. Uh, nice horses in the mud. Uh, you know, he did good, so he's a horse to be watching out for. And then we got the, um, Springboard Mile coming up, uh, next, uh, December 15th. It's a 300,000 added, added going a mile at, uh, Remington Park. And that, that's a, gonna, that, that race I like to watch because, uh, uh, it's a true test of uh, who your horse is and how your horse it is. It's not going, it's not going a sprint. It's not going a distance, a mile. And, and we'll see where that horse goes from there. And, uh, that's the springboard mile, December 15th. And then the 16th of December, we have the Los Alamitos Futurity. It's a 200,000 added a mile on the 16th, uh, for, um, for two year olds there. So that'll be interesting to see. And then we end up the year with the gun runner from the fairgrounds, a mile on the 16th, a hundred thousand added. And you do get derby points uh, for all those races that we just talked about. So that's it for today, folks. I, I, I bored all my lessons. I even got a complaint about my show, and that was from me. And that's the only complaint I got because I've been the only listener. Hey, I'm the listener and the talker. Hey, that's pretty good. What do you, what, what do you, what would you call that? Multitasking. There you go. But guys, have a good weekend. Do something with the horses and the family out, you know, get out and see the horses and everything. Have a good holiday, uh, make memories, and then we'll talk with you hopefully next week.